0: It's time once again for the Passion to Succeed podcast, where we explore the traits, mindsets and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals. This show is for anyone who wants to make a difference, make more money, learn from the greatest minds and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed. Here's your host, serial entrepreneur, successful author and the world's most passionate master coach, Craig White. Welcome and hello again, I'm Craig White and uh, this podcast show is uh, proudly brought to you by Passion to Succeed Uh, and I'm absolutely buzzing today to have a a great guy, um, a guy that's become a mentor uh, from afar for me Um, and I'm really realising that recently which I'll explain throughout the show Uh, but we've got a great guy on the show today and I'm really really pleased to have him with us and I've got a a little bit of a question for you guys to ponder before we get started and it's really, I guess, along you've stumbled across passion to succeed. So I'd imagine you have this yearning for success. But do you often find that maybe there's something missing? What, what could you do with five simple, fascinating laws that could enable you to become more personally successful and more successful in all areas of your life? Because today, guys, on our show, we've got a fantastic guy, Bob Berg. He's a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former US president. Bob is the author of a number of books on sale, marketing and influence, with total book sales well over 1 million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, which we're really going to be focusing on today, which has had a massive impact on my life, was co-authored with... With John David Mann and again has sold over half a million copies sorry and it 's been translated into twenty one languages that 's just absolutely fantastic. What a contribution it has been released in a new expanded edition with a forward by Huffington post founder and publisher Ariana Huffington. And Bob really is an advocate and a supporter and a defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic and serves on the board of trustees of furry friends and ad- adoption and clinic in his hometown, Jupiter, Florida, which is on the, nor- the, the northeast coast of, of the US, I believe. Hey, Bob, look, welcome to our show. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to have you join us today. So thank you very much for coming on board.
1: Oh, the pleasure's absolutely mine. Thank you so much for having me with you, Craig.
0: Hey, look, you know, I briefly mentioned, um, Bob, you know, how we're going to focus on, obviously, this fabulous um, book that you co-authored with with John David Mann, The Go-Giver, which I know has expanded um, since, which is fantastic. But listening to it again recently, as I mentioned to you, the audio program, it reminded me from the very first time I read the book and listened to the audio program some three, four years ago, what impact it's had on my life. You know, these these five laws that I, I guess we're going to discuss. Um, but if people can really embrace them and get them into their, their psyche and into their, their kind of their ethos, I, I really do believe that they can change themselves and, and their environment for the better. So very grateful to have you on board. Oh,
1: um, well, thank you.
0: Bob, I, w- I would really like to discuss your book and, and hopefully inspire, I guess, Many people go out there and study the book themselves and implement what they learn. Uh, it's amazing how, how it has and can be so impactful. Um, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer, I mean, the show's passion to succeed, and I'm a firm believer that, that passion really is a key element to achievement. Uh, have you always been so passionate about contributing yourself? I know you, you, you've done so on a worldwide level now, but where did it all start? Where did that passion originate for you?
1: Well, it's a great question, because I think as human beings, we all seek happiness, uh, and we probably define happiness uh, consciously or unconsciously, uh, differently. Uh, And when we can go over and do those things that that cause us to be happy, uh, which is typically something that's congruent with our value system, that's when we are passionate. Uh, It's difficult to do something for a living, let's say— uh, or take any kind of action that you really don't feel inspired to take. Now, don't get me wrong. There's things we need to do in life that we don't feel like doing. <laughs> and often it's the action that begins that, you know, so a lot of times uh, we act upon something and we become passionate about that. So I don't want to mix all sorts of metaphors and all sorts of, uh, you know, the different kinds of teachings back and forth about that. But by and large, I think it's great to be able to tap into that which you are passionate about. Uh, and I, I think we, yeah I think in many ways we, we sort of know what we're passionate about. There are times we need to, uh, that we're not as clear maybe. And sometimes we have to to work at figuring these things out. But basically as human beings, we know what makes us happy. We know what we're passionate about. And to the degree that we can take that passion and, turn it into something marketable, uh, you know, that's the degree that we can do something with our lives that really bring us a lot of joy while adding a lot of value to the world around us. Yeah, sure, uh, uh,
0: fantastic. And I know, obviously, you really are creating, a, I guess, a bit of a go-giver movement. I mean, when, you know, when people on the, on the back of this show, I really do hope they connect with you, and you, know, you, you, you offer quite a lot nowadays. I mean, you know, you obviously, you've got the books that you've written yourself and, and co-authored, there's the Go-Giver movement. You've got your podcast show, and I know you you grace many stages um, with your, your speaking engagements. Where does your, your entrepreneurial spirit, because I guess not everyone has an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, some people, right. uh, I guess, are happy doing what they're doing. My, my sister, for example, she's one of the most amazing, loving, caring people you'll ever meet. But she's just happy doing what she does. She's got a job. She hasn't mm-hmm. got that entrepreneurial spirit. But some people, like yourself, do have... That spirit where you just want to contribute on a different level. Where does it come from? Is it is it ingrained? Is it something you've learned? Is it something you've grown into?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it's in the genes, the family genes, so to speak. I, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs, or at least as far as I can trace them back to the, you know to the old country. For as long as as we uh, as our family on both sides, paternal and maternal, have been in, it seems like we've mostly been entrepreneurial. Wow. Um, but, you know, you're right what you say uh, and, and with your sister and many people we know, fantastic people. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily entrepreneurs. Uh, my friend Carol Roth wrote a great book called The Entrepreneurial Equation. And she surprised a lot of people by, in the beginning chapters of the book, talking about why you might not be an entrepreneur, why it might not necessarily suit you. Uh, a lot of people mistakenly believe that because they're good at a certain skill – they should go into business for themselves based yeah. on that skill. And we know that's not necessarily true. And some people are much better kind of behind the scenes or they're the type of person who is more of a support person. And that's fine. You know, we, are, we all have our different uh, uh, desires, skill levels. Uh, again, going back to that which makes us happy, which gives us a feeling of mental well-being. And so I, I think that's fantastic. We should all tap into exactly what we believe has the best chance of making us happy, you know, so long as it's congruent with our values and, uh, and doesn't hurt anyone else. Um, but obviously, people like you and me, uh, we are entrepreneurial. <laughs> I know you, you've you built a, a fantastic organization, and I know you mentor a lot of people, and a lot of people go to you for advice on how they can be more successful as entrepreneurs. And, and so- you know, these are things that we might enjoy doing. Um, and uh, but I but I think it is something that someone has inside of them or they they develop it or what have you. But when someone really decides they want to be an entrepreneur, hey, the best thing is go for it. Brilliant.
0: Hey, look, you know, um, the, the, the book itself, The, the Go-Giver, I mean, it, it's fundamentally really about a young, relatively successful guy who, who really create, create, craves even, sorry, that that big money success. And he's very much focused on um, the money, the big deal. And he's introduced into this gentleman called Pinder, and uh, who's known as the chairman. I mean, I personally believe this guy really goes into um, show Joe and, and give him what the true values of success are. I mean, from your perspective, Bob, what, what is the, the premise of the book itself?
1: Well, the actual premise is simply that shifting our Focus, and this is really the key, shifting our focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, Greg, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, to individuals, to the marketplace as a whole. And that doing so is not only a a nice way, a pleasant way of doing business, it's actually a very financially profitable way as well. You mentioned Joe, whose focus was on making a lot of money. Now, as Pindar, the mentor, tells Joe, the protege in the story, there's nothing wrong with making money. In fact, there's everything right about making money. You should make lots of money. That's fine. It's just not where the focus should be. Uh, John David Mann, my, my awesome uh, co-author of the story, he and I often say that money is simply an echo of value. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means the focus must be on providing value to the other person. Uh, The money you receive is simply a very natural result of the value you've provided. Uh, I often, when I speak at a, a conference, a sales conference, one of the first things I'll say from stage is, you know, and and people will laugh because they know I'm saying it in a a nice way, not in a a dogmatic fashion, but I'll say nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, Mm -hmm. right? right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. They're not going to buy from you because you're a nice person and have a product that you think they should have. They're going to buy from you only because they believe in doing so it's in their best interest that they're, that they're better off by buying your product or service than by not buying your product or service. And that's the way it should be, by the way. That's the only reason why they should buy from you. And so what this does, which is great, is it forces we, the salesperson, to put our focus where it should be. <laughs> not on ourselves and what we want, not even on our product or service, as important as that is, but on the other person. Uh, really, in a free market-based environment, which can be defined basically as you know people willingly doing business with one another, no one's forced to to buy or sell to to one another. In a free market-based economy, uh, profit is simply the reward for pleasing another person. Brilliant. Yeah. It so it all goes to focus.
0: Yeah, I th- it's amazing, isn't it? I think you know, from a from a consumer perspective, we have so many options nowadays. Um, and it Mm -hmm. is, you know, when you, when you think from, from a, you know, a, a, a different level, I guess, you know, maybe going and buying a watch, for example, um, if I get a great service, chances are I'm going to use them again. If not, there's so many options for me to go elsewhere. So by people, by, I guess the salesperson as you're talking to building the relationship, you know, focusing on me, focusing on servicing me, focusing on giving value to me and the, the product really, as you're rightfully saying, isn't as important as the value given to me as the customer.
1: Right. It's all about the customer experience. It's all, of the, it's all about the experience that you create for that other human being. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a, a, a sexy product that, or service that we're talking about. It can be anything. It's going to the mechanic and understanding that that mechanic cares about helping you, about getting your car healthy about getting you on the road and you not having to worry about breaking down. Mm-hmm. It means that you're treated properly and politely and respectfully. It, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it could be any product or service. The key is, are you, are you creating value through excellence, through consistency, through attention to detail, through empathy for the other person, and, for, and through appreciation, uh, communicating the gratitude you have for them?
0: Hey, I, I mean, I'm I, I, 100% with you. I'm a firm believer of the quality of our life really does lie within the quality of our relationships for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we talk about that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I mean, what about those that aren't entrepreneurs? Does this, this message within the go-giver, is it still relevant? Does it still apply to them?
1: Sure. Well, the neat thing is, and and again, let's go back to your sister who you were saying is not entrepreneurial per se in having her own wanting to have her own business, but she enjoys being part of another organization. But I guarantee you, she is providing exceptional value within the organization. So we would call her an intrapreneur rather than an entrepreneur. So, in other words, She can be entrepreneurial, always focused on providing value to others, but within the actual organization. Because remember, even when you work for another company, in someone else's company, you have customers. In this case, your customers are the people you work with. It's perhaps your supervisors. It's the people who you supervise it's of course the employer who pays the salary and it's the end customers who who of course pay everyone's salary so you know even being entrepreneurial is still a form of entrepreneurship it's just uh, it's just within that company
0: yeah i get you so it's almost like a level of security but there's still the value being given regardless uh,
1: well sure because remember no one's going to hire you or keep you because you need the money <laughs> right no. it's, it's only going to be because they believe there is more value to them in having you as part of their company than in not having you as part of the company
0: brilliant yeah i hope, I hope our listeners really really gain that concept because and i know there's a lot of entrepreneurs that will be listening but there's also a lot of people that you know as you've rightfully said they're more entrepreneurial but sure doing what they do and You know, I remember my mum years ago, Bob, you know, I mean, I'm in sort of nearly 40 now. I remember my mum saying to me years ago when I was in my early years of, you know, looking for a a career, I guess. um, And I remember saying to me, she said, Craig, if you don't love what you do, go and find something else because you should spend your life loving what you do. And for me, when I when I think, you know, as long as people are, are loving what they do, you know, yeah, contribution. We know how important that is, and f- from what you're saying about people, I'm going to keep you unless you're contributing and giving value. But from an individual, we, you know, I think sometimes some people spend too much time doing something they don't enjoy. When I guess they've just got to have the guts to make a change and go and follow their heart, follow their dreams. Sometimes.
1: Well, you have a very wise mom, and that was great advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously. We need when we're passionate about something and that's what and, and by the way, you know, people from Dale Carnegie to uh, gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the, the more recent people because they just there's so many of them say this that it's I'm not I'm not able to come up with with one right now. But many of them say it's very difficult to really do well and even make a lot of money if you don't really enjoy what you do, if you're not passionate about what you do. It is difficult. Why? Because in order to do well, you've got to work hard. In order to do well, you've got to focus on others. In order to do well, there's a lot of things that you might not want to do right now, but you know you do it because you're passionate about what you're doing. And, and when you're passionate about what you're doing, you can do all that work. Uh, but, you know, we also have to, and I think this is also important, because there's an old saying uh, that I don't believe— is accurate, but it's often used and accepted as fact. The, the, the saying is this, uh, do what you love, you know, and the money will follow. Now, it's half right, but it's not totally right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unintentionally misleading, and here's why. You can be passionate about what you're doing, but if there's no one who's buying your product or service, you might be having fun, but you have a hobby. Okay, so we've still got to be able to take what we're passionate about and market it effectively so that we can make a living doing what we're passionate about. And, you know, you can have the greatest invention in the world and be totally passionate about it. But if you cannot sell this or market it successfully to the marketplace, you're in trouble. You know, you, you, you won't be able to do it as a living. You won't be able to support yourself and you won't be able to provide the kind of value to humanity through this product or service that you would like. So we do have to, you know, we have to you know, love what we're doing, certainly be passionate about it, make sure we have a, you know, make sure we're good at it, of course, too, and also uh, be able to establish or cultivate or find the correct market for it. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant.
0: So, I mean, give us give us a review, Bob, if you if you may, please, on the, on the, the five the five laws, the five principles that you yourself and, and John share in the book. Because for me, they've been really uh, powerful. And as I said, you know, a moment ago, they've really had an impact on on obviously how I am uh, and and how I focus more on value, probably more than I used to, on the yeah. back of the the Go giver book. So, can you share with our listeners that are yet to. Pick the book up, and they will on the back of this show. But the five laws that you and John talk about,
1: please. Sure. The five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The uh, law of value says your true worth in the business sense. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. This simply means, again, as we alluded to earlier, that you provide such a wonderful, fantastic Amazing customer experience that this person feels they got much more in value than what they paid for. While, of course, you make a very healthy profit because what you're selling it for doesn't cost you as much as what you're selling it for. So in other words, both, both parties win. Uh, for example, in the rest, in the uh, book, we talk about Ernesto, the uh, owner of the restaurant. It's an upscale restaurant. Uh, when you come into that restaurant, you're, you're greeted, uh, you know, you're, you're greeted by the maitre d' and you're treated like a VIP and the waitstaff is just fantastic. And the food is not only delicious, but it's presented wonderfully. The ambiance and atmosphere is exquisite. Well, you come away from that meal. Now you've paid a lot of money, but you just feel fantastic. You know, you may have paid a hundred, a hundred pounds. But you, uh, you know, come away feeling like a couple of thousand pounds. You know, I mean, you just feel great uh, about the experience. You got more in value than what you paid. But, of course, the uh, the restaurant owner, Ernesto, obviously his – the cost of goods sold, including the food and the upkeep and the wait staff and the chefs and everything – cost him much less than what he sold it for so he also profited in fact that's really the 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 main characteristic of a free market based exchange is that there are always two profits the buyer profits and the seller profits but that happens because it's up to the seller to put their focus on the right place pleasing the customer. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Yeah. I've never looked at it from that perspective before. You know, always having two profits—that
1: you know, the, mm-hmm. the
0: buyer and the seller profit that's fantastic.
1: Sure. I know. That's that's. Yeah. Uh, now, law number two, the law of compensation, says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Of course. So, where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Going back to the restaurant, it's not enough for them to just provide value to one guest or one family. It's also a matter of uh, serving lots and lots and lots of people. And as you remember from the story, the restaurant was filled every, you know, every day and every night. And so uh, he made a very healthy income. I know with you, you know, you provide such great value to everyone you coach and everyone you lead, but you also lead a very large team. You're adding exceptional value to the lives of lots and lots of people, which is why you're so successful. Now, law number three is the law of influence. And the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, I realize this sounds somewhat counterintuitive, But when you think about it, the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the highest producing salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to focus on bringing value to others. Now, when we say this, when we say uh, place the other person's interests first, we certainly do not mean you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not. It's simply understanding that, uh, as as several of the mentors in the story told Joe, the protege, the golden rule of business, of, of sales, is simply that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by moving from an I focus or a me focus to an other focus. Always looking for ways, as one of the mentors in the story Sam told Joe, making your win all about the other person's win. These are the people who have the most influence. Uh, Law number four is the law of authenticity, which simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Uh, One of the mentors, Deborah, uh, uh, expressed wisdom she learned early in her career that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and indeed they are all very, very important, they're all for naught if you don't come across from your true authentic core, but when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel very comfortable with you. They know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you, and then law number five is the law of receptivity, and this one simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving, In other words, it's not a matter of just breathing out and thinking that's enough. We also need to breathe in, right? And in the same way, it's not enough just to give, to give great value to everyone. That's certainly important. That's the starting point and that's the focus, but it's not enough. You also need to be willing to allow yourself to receive. And because there are so many negative messages about money that we get from the world, you, we can often be lured, lured into this, this unconscious feeling that money is a bad thing, or I'm not worthy of making money, or this and that. If you make money, it means you did something. No, it, it means that we understand that giving and receiving are not opposite concepts giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin and they work in tandem so the question is not are you a giver or a receiver it's you are a giver and a receiver but again the key focus on giving and allow the receiving
0: yeah uh, i mean I, I wholeheartedly believe if if people can embrace these five laws and you know i know our show is very short today and but people can connect and and get a lot more information. Certainly that the final um, point that you're discussing about kind of giving and receiving, I, I think sometimes that can almost be a challenge for people. It, it certainly was for me many years ago, um, you know, giving, it was almost like, I guess receiving, maybe even just recognition. Um, I almost found that difficult because I prefer to give it rather mm-hmm. than receive. But it is, you know, as you said, it's the same side of the coin. It's about understanding that they are part of the same area of focus really so so back back to value i I mean in a in a really kind of competitive market that we're in nowadays nowadays um how does a person add value to others without it costing them too much
1: money sure and it's important because you know we don't want to compete on price because if you do you're basically looked at as a commodity you know when you try to sell on low price you're a commodity. When you sell on value, you're looked at as a resource. And that's what we need to do. And yet, there are so many products and services today because technology is leveled off the playing field. uh, uh, You know, things are commoditized. And so, what we've got to do is be that additional value. And as you said, we need to be able to do so without it costing us a lot of money. And it doesn't need to cost us money. To, to separate ourselves. It means that we we consistently are excellent in everything we do. It means we not only do we know our product or service, but we understand that, again, when it comes to selling, the focus is always on them. It's always on how we can add value to their lives. Uh, it it means that you're... you're putting extra attention on them as human beings. It means you find out everything you can about them through asking questions, and you look at them as a human being as opposed to just a buyer. Uh, it means that you display empathy in everything you're doing. It means that you're listening not just uh, for what they say, but for what they don't say, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't know what they're thinking, and, and, and they may not even know exactly why they're feeling uptight about something. But remember, they're not as used to the process as you are when it comes to your product or service. So, you know, you can, oh, it's as simple as the way you treat other people. It's, it's making sure that you respond to emails in a timely fashion, which doesn't mean you need to jump through hoops, but it means people always know that you're paying attention to them. It means that, that the way you speak with people or everyone in your office speaks with, to people. Uh, It it means you don't greet people with hi, hey, or how you doing, but rather good morning, good afternoon, or or good evening. It means rather than when they say thank you, you are saying no problem or no worries, you say my pleasure. Uh, It's doing all those little things that kind of say, you know what, this is not about the product or service, this is about you. And when you make them feel special, uh, you've taken price right out of the equation.
0: You really are focused on on creating an environment of value. And I love that switch of mindset, the the switch of focus. And I guess, you know, the terminology and tonality in which we we communicate with people. So, so very important to to kind of get that right mindset of value across and that create that environment to, I guess, empower people to feel valued, to feel liked and and to trust in, in us. In whatever business we're in, it's relevant. You know, I'm thinking why while while we're, we're conversing and uh, my mind's going that it does, I, I think regardless of the industry or the sport, this focus of giving value is relevant from an environment perspective for absolutely everyone to flourish and do well um, in achievement and success. I, I absolutely well, love it.
1: It, it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, we, we look at selling and so often selling has a negative connotation But really, when you think about it, what is selling? I define selling as simply discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires and helping them to get it. And how do we do that? We do that by asking questions with a genuine interest in helping them, in discovering, again, the word discovering, what they want. Again, not about us. And so when you're that salesperson who does that, Uh, this person feels great about you. You know, we talk so much about people skills, how important they are, and they are. Well, you know what? The single greatest people skill, Craig, the single greatest people skill, in my opinion, is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. And, you know, when you talk about and you were talking about trust and having them trust you, Simon Sinek, a great author and and, uh, who who wrote a a fantastic book called Leaders Eat Last. He he defines trust in a way that I think is brilliant. He says trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. Well, you know, and you think about that, of course, that's why they're going to trust you. And when they trust you. uh, Price is not going to be their main, you know, their main reason for buying. Powerful. It's gonna add value to the entire process.
0: That's really powerful, Bob. Really is. So from for for yourself, was there um I guess a a moment or a piece of advice prior to your um your knowledge of anything about kind of the the go giver um what and what it entailed, was there anything that um was a difference maker for you, a game changer for you as a, a, a person?
1: I think one big game changer for me was about 35 years ago, probably for longer ago than that. But I was just starting to really get good at sales and was just starting to produce. And uh, one of the people at the company, one of the older people at the company I worked at at the time, and he wasn't in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department and was was about to retire but I think he saw potential in me, but he also saw that I was doing some things wrong as well. And that was keeping me from being as successful as I could be. And I remember, and I didn't know him very well, but he seemed like a nice guy. But, uh, one time he sort of took me aside and he said, you know, do you mind if I uh, share some, some advice with you? I said, sure. I, I would appreciate that. And he said, you know, if you want to be, if you want to, what he said is, if you want to make a lot of money in, in business, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. He said, your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he continued, you'll get a reward. That reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you'd like. But never forget that the, the money is only the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving others. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a game changer because as soon as I understood that, that's when things began to change for me.
0: So yeah, I think, again, it's a great, great point, And I really do hope people can utilize your experience and your game changer in, into their own life because I think serving others um, and giving that value, creating that value-based environment is, is fundamentally important to success in, I guess, all areas of our life. There was, there was a line in the book um, which, you know, you suggest, you know, it's not a bad question. Uh, it just shouldn't be the first question. And I guess a lot of maybe entrepreneurs starting up might disagree with that. And it was always the, the question of, does this make money? And it's, as stated in the book, yourself and John talk about it, it isn't a bad question. It's a great question, just not the right first question. Right. Um, again, having people that may disagree with that, maybe entrepreneurs, they may say it's sure. the only question when you know we come into business, we should be you know looking at making money. Um, what do you two mean? What do you mean about that?
1: Well, you do need to make money, and you do need to, to and that that needs to be part of it. Absolutely, of course, it does. Uh, and like we said, asking if something will make money is a good question. It's a great question, just not the right first question. The first question is does it serve or will it serve? And we mean that in two ways. One is, you know, is it, is it productive for for society? You know, is it something that will benefit people? And remember, this is not just goody two-shoe stuff. If it doesn't benefit society, you're not going to make money from it because eventually the marketplace is going to dry up. So it needs, to, it needs to be something that will benefit society, that people will find value in. Remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder it's not what you or i think is of value about our product or service it's what the marketplace find which in a marketplace is simply made up of individuals it's whether they believe there's there's value to it so the first is will it serve and the second part of it is you know is it something that um that there will be a market for okay so in other words you can have the you know the best product or service and be counting your your money for it it can be the uh what was the uh, the product that was that they came up with, which was, was a real bomb? Uh, oh, the ho- uh, not 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 a hoverboard. Um, oh, it was something Steve Jobs and all the people in Silicon Valley they invested in. They thought it was going to be the next big thing, and it. Okay. I just can't remember what it, was, but it fell flat on its face. Yeah. Uh, great idea, and and everybody thought it was going to make a ton of money, but it didn't because it wasn't something that the market felt served. And unless that's the case, you're not going to make money. So the biggest question you can ask is, will it serve or does it serve? In other words, is there a market for it? Uh, Then ask, will it make money? Because if there's a market for it, but it's not gonna make money, you also can't go into the business. You'll have a hobby, hobbies can be great, but that's different from a profitable business. So both are important, but again, whenever you put your focus on the money, you're actually less likely to make money.
0: Yeah, you know, you've mentioned sort of hobby and business a couple of times. And, you know, this focus of serving first is is obviously fundamentally important. I mean, I do love you obviously talking about it. It's very difficult to do well if, you, if you're not passionate about what you're doing. But it's got to be a way of not only, you know, being something you love to do, but being something that is actually going to provide um, and enable you to receive as well for your, you know, your focus on giving. Sure. Um, one, of, one of the things you've made a point on is the, the go-giver philosophy being totally, like, 100% congruent with, with our human nature. Could you explain what you mean there? Because sometimes people could look at that in different ways, I imagine, you know, both positive and negative. What, what do you mean by it being congruent with our nature?
1: Sure. Well, uh, Harry Brown, who was one of my great mentors, uh, who, who wrote on and spoke on, on human nature – Uh, You know, one of the things he said is that the overall driving motivator for everyone and and Harry never used, just like I did, never used the word everyone except in two spaces and he's in two places and that is first, everyone seeks happiness, okay? Everyone seeks happiness. Now, we seek it different ways, okay? But everyone ultimately seeks happiness, people do what they believe will make them happy. Now, again, people value happiness differently. They see happiness differently. What what would cause one person to be very happy would be meaningless to someone else or would even cause them unhappiness. So happiness is relative. So everyone seeks happiness. Happiness is relative and resources are limited, not in, terms of not, uh, not in terms of abundance, but in terms of our, you know, we all have a certain amount of time to live. We all have a limited amount of hours in the day, uh, uh, day in the week, months in the, you know, the whole, the whole thing. So we have, because of that, we have to make choices. So human nature says that this person who may buy from you or may not will do so or not do so only because they ultimately believe that by doing or not doing so, it the chances are better uh, that they will get closer to happiness based on how they see happiness and based on the choices they believe they have. Well, the go-giver philosophy, which of course is what? Focused on bringing value to others is totally congruent with human nature. So when people say, oh, that go-giver stuff, that's all nice and well, but is that real world? It's exactly real world. <laughs> Again, it goes back to no one's going to buy from you because you want them to. And so we have to tap into we, this. This makes it so that we must respect and honor the desires of others. OK, so it's, it's both practical.
0: I mean, it is that got that philosophical focus of. Um, gaining these values and these laws, but it, they're all very practical to take out into the world and, and and make your mark. You know, make your make a difference in, and get into the game of life because it's there to be played, it's there to be enjoyed, it's there to be loved. Um, make uh, Bob. Uh, I'm stoked that we've had you on today. It's been an, an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm very grateful myself from a from a selfish perspective, and I'm sure you know all of our listen listeners today. Um, that are benefiting from this show will probably listen again and again. There's so much value and contribution in there that I really do hope can influence people you wow, know, to become you. more and better themselves. I know if people want to connect with you, Bob, um, I know your website's com. Um, I mean, the Go-Giver movement's much more than just the Go-Giver book. Now, I know you've got – is it um, it's Go-Giver Leader and is it Go-Givers, Go-Givers Sell More?
1: Yeah. Um, in fact, let me give you a, a, another website that will probably be easier for everyone. If they'll just go to thegogiver.com without the hyphen, just thegogiver.com, uh, they can check out the three books, The Go-Giver, Go-Givers Sell More, and the newest one, The Go-Giver Leader, and they can get an excerpt, a free excerpt or chapter. Uh, from any of the books, and they can check out my GoGiver podcast, the uh, GoGiver Sales Academy, our Certified GoGiver Speaker Program, and and as you mentioned earlier, the uh, the GoGiver Movement.
0: Brilliant. I mean, it's a great environment, Bob, that you that you've created, and. Again, um, thank you very much for joining us. I know your time is very valuable um, and it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I really do hope, guys, that you've got some real great points out today's show and I hope that you've got the passion to succeed. So we'll see you next time. And, And thanks again, Bob.
1: Thank you. The pleasure is mine.
0: If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media, then subscribe, rate and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe and join the community of passionate people.